Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. Listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Game time decisions. Gave it up by Bookie. Who? What? What? Why did I bet so wrong? Why? Did I lay it down on the Golden State Warriors? Game time decisions has begun. Red heat and rage. Of course, uh, yesterday, you guys probably thought uh, we're just joking and stuff, but everything that we say on this program is deadly freaking serious. All right? It might sound stupid, but it is stupid, but it's serious. And when when I stated uh, yesterday that I heard Cam scream (laughs) and I saw him sort of wobble, we weren't joking, man. Like, he was gargling blood throughout the whole show. Uh, but uh, Cam's a trooper. He made it through the show. You know, I personally thought that maybe some, like, salt and hot water and uh, baking soda, like all the remedies on the Internet uh, told him to do, would uh, do the trick. Uh, but it didn't. His mouth wouldn't stop bleeding. He texted me this morning from the hospital, actually, and he said, I don't think I'm going to be able to make it in. My mouth won't stop bleeding, and they said that I've swallowed too much blood. Um, so, you know, we'll check in with Cam. I'm going to fire off Cam a text, actually. He can't talk, so we're not going to get him to call in, even though he probably should. I'll tell him to suck it up, man. Come on. It's only a few minutes, but he was drinking Diet Cokes and, like, gargling blood yesterday. I told him, I said, man, I don't know. I don't, I'm not sure, man. Like, those Diet Cokes are, like, helping that, dude. And uh, so it didn't stop. Um, he evidently needs to get stitches in his tongue, which I really don't know how they're going to do that. So uh, Cam's out, Parsons is in. What's the deal, Gay? What's going on with you, my man? Glad to be here filling in for uh, the homie Cam Stewart. Uh, wish Cam a speedy recovery. Anytime you bite down on your tongue like that, I can imagine that's pretty tough. So, But I'll take the hours. I'm glad to be here. I need it too, Gabe. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah, you, you figure somebody that's eating as much as Cam wouldn't, like, injure himself eating. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about it. I feel like he would have that part mastered. Shout out to Cam, though. Yeah. No. When, when Cardano texted me with that, I was like, I was like, wow, I kind of just grabbed my mouth. I had like, I caught, like, the chills a little bit because I can imagine what that feel like. But, listen, he hung in there and got through the show good. That's a better man than me. We've all done it, uh, Corey. Listen, man, I remember years ago on the radio, man, like, uh, I'm so old. I was, I was on the radio when Sammy Sosa was hitting home runs. Nice. And he missed games because he sneezed. Oh, he sneezed and he pulled something in his back. And I was like, man, that's the dumbest excuse I've ever heard in my life. I'm like, just, you know, what are you hung over? Like what? You're trying to miss a drug test. Like I ripped the dude. Oh, he, he, he heard himself sneezing. And I swear, dude, like about three, four years ago, uh, Corey, man, I got up once. I had to sneeze, man. I shredded my back, dude. Oh. Like, I was stuck in pain. Like, we're getting old, man. So, yeah. like, I, and the first thing I thought of, I was like, freaking Sammy Sosa wasn't lying. 
Yeah, now nah, you blew that joint out on the sneeze, and I guess maybe Sammy Sosa did too, but that dude is a weirdo now. You never know what the situation may have been with him. Now, you talk about the bite tongue, like you said. It happens to everybody from time to time. You chomp down some chicken wings or something, having a good time, and bam, you hit your tongue. Now, would you? what's the worst pain, the biting of the tongue or zipping your meat up in your zipper by accident? Yeah, yeah, I've done it. Um, as somebody, as you know, uh, Corey, as somebody that um, – indulges in course uh, purely uh, legal recreational uh, marijuana yes i've actually been smoking naked before and had the embers <laughs> fall down there <laughs> yeah they almost caught a fire down there joint yeah, huh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've, done, I've done it man like uh i've done it I've, I've had a lot of issues so yeah and then cam and the worst part is like cardano and cardano's got uh, keen ears you know yeah. so, so Cardano, like, you know, sort of says, back up, like, mm. uh, so where's the piece of the tongue? Because he really is missing, a, like, a chunk of his tongue. Like, I... not on the tip, but on the side. He showed me. I was like, holy crap. And uh, Cardano, like, and I, we said, what happened to the tongue? And he goes, I, I ate it. Like, he swallowed oh. it with the, with the pizza. He's like a cannibal. That's his new nickname. From now on, yeah. next time you talk to him, call him Cam the Cannibal. I cannibal like that. Cam. Cannibal, cannibal Cam. Cam. CCS, yeah. Cannibal Cam Stewart. It's like a like yeah. a, like an <laughs> MMA guy or something. Yeah, if he ever went online, he'd be a good Twitter handle for him. If he actually ever. <laughs> so I got to We'll get to some sport. We got Steve Merrill going to join. We got a pack show. Steve Merrill, Ian Cameron, Babano, Joe Lisi. Uh, we got uh, whatever sport you're into. We're going to be hitting this today from a betting, uh, fantasy, and every other uh, standpoint. But first, so you know, I thought, oh man, poor Corey, because Carton's the big big shot, right? He gets the day off, right? Long weekend <laughs> yeah. stuff like that. And I'm like, oh man, poor Corey, you know. Yeah, they're calling him uh, to come in, but yeah, you you know the drill, and that's why Cam stayed for the full three hours uh, yesterday. Cam's like someone who works at Seven Eleven. You know, he gets paid by the hour, bro. <laughs> so he was, you know, there's no medical uh, program for independent contractors. So you are- Cam was Cam was bleeding, but. He said, I'm going to make it to seven. I don't I don't give a shit. I'm getting through this. <laughs> hey, I'm the same way. Hey, everybody else, you know, all the big shots, they got the day off and stuff like that, you know, getting ready for their little three or four-day weekends. I'm in this joint grinding. I've been in here since 11. I was on the microphone doing so since 11 o'clock this morning. Did, some, did a show on YouTube. We did that box break where they come here and open up the baseball cards or whatever. Did that. Hung out downstairs with the boys for an hour now. Getting ready to rock and roll for these next three hours with you. We got a lot to talk about, too. There's a lot going down. Memorial Day weekend. When you sent the text of the stuff we talked to, going to be talking about on the program, I noticed you had NHL and NASCAR on there. Now, me as a black man, I'm not going to be yeah. too much help with NHL and NASCAR, but I do have a hell of a NASCAR story about this same weekend. That's the uh, Donald Trump segment. It's brought to you by <laughs> 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 a lot, lot, of, lot of hoop talk, too, though. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I'm sending, sending it over. Yeah, like I said, too, um, I was talking about that yesterday. I love when you were hosting a golf show. It's like everyone at the Fantasy Sports Network, they get Parsons, of all people, to do the golf show. See, I sent I sent Corey a text this morning. I'm like, well, he's, you know, Corey's coming on. I don't want him to catch him off guard. You yeah. know, we got all these guests coming on, tell him what sports we're talking about. I don't hear back from him at all. And then, like, I you know, I speak to Florio. I'm like, what the hell's up with Corey? And I, I just assumed Corey was sleeping or taking, you know, he was passed out in, in the janitor's closet at Studio 34. No doubt. Or something like that. Uh, but uh, your phone, you couldn't respond. You can't call Canada. That's crazy because when I was doing the uh, 
<laughs> what was we doing this morning? No, we was doing the uh some the, the fantasy the fantasy fest Q and A, and I seen the Toronto number. I'm like, okay, that's my man Gabe. I hit him back after this, and I went to hit you back, and I'm like, yo, why is my phone not working? And sure enough, I come up provider, and they was like, your plan does not include calls to Canada. So I guess I got to wire the old burnout. You know what I'm saying? The old drug I, I dealer hope, trap phone. I hope that Cardano and my owner listening. This is what yeah, it's come to. I know. Tell gotta, me about you, it. You got, you got a host that can't call uh, can't call uh, Canada. It's <laughs> crazy. You got another host that was gargling blood to suck it up to get through the show. <laughs> this is it's what just, it's come to. Yeah, this you know, especially too, man. You know, your Twitter says Fantasy Sportsnet and yeah, uh, Sports Illustrated. And Sports Illustrated. Yeah, yeah, man. Like you know. Don't tell us Sports Illustrated. Like, come on, they got to hook you up with a phone or something. Like no, I know, I know, right? Well, actually, on hiatus, I do. I'm, I'm the fantasy football guy for them over yeah, there football, now. Football, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm you're like, not well, doing I'm doing NASCAR. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the so NHL you, expert. <laughs> so I've heard. I'm not going to put words in anyone's mouth, but I heard, man. There's nothing but smoking, like ten on ten type stuff, man. Everywhere in that neighborhood, around that building. Is that like the CNN building too? So like you're seeing like Amanda Carpenter roll in and like all the news chicks and stuff. Now we don't have the news, uh, the the young ladies that work for the news. But I am telling you, I'm sitting up here in Studio 34 right now, and my chair is literally legit facing the window. I'm talking about the co-eds are coming through this joint that they gave. I may have to bring a couple of men in the studio at some point because nice weekend, get the summertime started. They got the deck open, and I'm talking about. It is, must be jelly because jam don't shake like that. Yeah, yeah, you got a better shot with the tourists because what's the deal with, like, the locals? It's like the <laughs> yeah. fashion district and stuff. Never went well for me, Corey. Every time I've been there at happy hour. Yeah, like, no, it's real hoity-toity joint. Mingle, yeah, I mingle out towards the balcony, and I always end up right back inside at the bar. I'm like, yeah, that didn't go too well. <laughs> yeah, the, no, it's the a hoity-toity joint. You got yeah, that Wall Street Manhattan crowd. crowd yeah, man. You got that yeah, Wall Street like, crowd in this joint. But every now I'm and then you'll have a couple come through. On the, As it gets later, it gets they loosen up a little. I'm wearing a Jim Kelly jersey. I'm like, yeah, baby, I got a TV show. <laughs> She's a secretary, and she makes more than me. So you got you got on a Jim uh, Kelly jersey and some track pants, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Probably with a yeah. half a cigarette stuck in your ear. <laughs> I've always, I've, no, not a cigarette, spliff. I've always, gotten, uh, I've, always got, I've always gotten along with the waitress as well, though. Yeah, they're uh, nice. The establishment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're shout, nice. Shout out, shout, out, shout out to the waitresses. All right, so um, I mentioned Steve Merrill. Yeah, Steve Merrill... Um, We'll talk some NBA. So I don't know if you saw the video. Our boy Robert Latal, a big fan of uh, Black Sports Online, like his show, uh, like his side. I used to have him on my show for years mm-hmm. even before uh, he was on the network here. But he's got a video. I don't know if you saw it. I retweeted it. It's out there of a, a Houston Rocket fan harassing Aisha Curry after the game. So I ask you, is it cool to get in the face of a player's uh, wife after a game? Oh, man, I think that's tough right there. Listen, I'm like... She might have overreacted, too, because if the video out there, she's like, oh, he made references to, you know, about punching me in the gut, and he didn't say that. He said, losing's like a punch in the gut, isn't it, Aisha? Oh, okay. And Yeah, it's a drunk Rocket fan. He didn't. He didn't get in her face. There's actually a video. He didn't back up, though. He kept laughing. He's like, you're going to lose, and... You know, she's freaked out. He said something about her gut, and she's pregnant. So she's like, oh, oh I didn't know that. Or, you know, yeah. whatever. He released a little statement saying, Woo! no, it's not true. So I don't know. Like, so it, it ain't cool. Hey, no, I don't hey, think it's cool. Here's don't the thing. say anything to the guy's wife. Here's the thing. This is the Aisha Curry. If you remember back in the uh, championship in 2016, she was on Twitter 
talking about the referees and things that took place in the game. She has a she has a cooking show on television. She's inserted yeah, herself yeah, into true. controversies before. Now, if you're a private citizen, you know you're what? Saying, she's a public personality. If there you go. TV shows and writing books. There and you go. Courtside. Then it's you know, if you're just a chick that's sitting up there in the luxury suite, minding your own business. It's different. I hear what you're saying. She's put herself in the limelight, you're saying. Exactly. She's put herself in these spots. When you put yourself in these spots, at times you're going to be attacked. Now, anything you don't want, you know, like I said, I don't know if the young man said whatever, no physical violence toward anybody, male or female. You don't. You definitely don't want to see that. But when she's been the kind of person that at times in the past, Gabe, she's injected herself into the national spotlight. She is a media personality. Aisha Curry does cooking shows. She does some modeling. She's a brand, she's a brand ambassador. She's not a private citizen dog she's not a private citizen and she can get that smoke too in the playoff series i hate to say it that way she is cute though huh? nice looking he, steph curry is winning <laughs> although although i think and i like her a lot she's actually from toronto i didn't know you that know, like yeah yeah she's for steph curry's for steph curry was born in charlotte but he actually played high school ball in toronto dal was a raptor Oh, okay. So, you know, yeah, yeah, he knows her here. Like, he's popular here and stuff, right? Like, he, he's actually, he was a Raptor fan before Curry. So, she's from here. He's popular here. He play, it's crazy. I know a dude that played high school ball uh, against him. And they said, yeah, he hit shots and stuff. But you didn't see this coming. Like, he put a lot of work in to get to, to what he did. Although, he needs to put more work in. The dude's pissing me off. It cost me a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, they've been terrible against spread in this, in this entire but, playoffs. But I was going to say, it's, it's the rare instance in which a player's mother might be hotter than the wife. That is tell wild. You, man, yep. Mrs. Mrs. Curry's got it going on, doesn't she? Oh, she's like a bad mother? man, with Jamie. When they show her on TV, I actually would prefer her over the younger the younger Curry. Now, listen. They'd both you be seen, pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> be hey, Gabe, have you seen uh, the, the, the joint on Netflix about how, how Vince Carter changed the city of Toronto and how big of a legend he is up there? They actually have a, they actually have Vince Carter working out with a young Steph Curry in that documentary that's on Netflix right now. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Listen, Vince Vince left Toronto. It, it was it got ugly at the end. It took years. It took years for people to sort of get over it. But there's no no disputing that Vince Carter put the Raptor organization on the map. Uh, Kevin Durant's a Raptor fan. Grew up a Raptor fan. That's right, because of Vince Carter. Mm-hmm. Because of Vince Carter, so many players that. Let's be real, too, man. Those old purple jerseys with the dinosaurs, man, those, that's some sick stuff right there. I love those jerseys. I wish I could get my hands on one of those right now. Those are nice jerseys. You got the shorts. with the get you one, man. Yeah, the shorts yeah, with the Raptor the on it. You know, the, the documentary was interesting because, like, it was nothing. They didn't really understand or appreciate or get basketball in Toronto until Vince Carter got there. When Vince Carter got there and they see the high flying and the dunking and stuff like that, and just about, like, that urban culture came to Toronto in the form of Vince Carter. Well, yeah, they got basketball. But you're right; it was a hockey town, right? Mm-hmm. It, it was it was a hockey town, and it's it's taken years. Um, you know, it would have been fitting for Vince to wrap it up actually as a Toronto Raptor, no doubt. Uh, I think you know, but uh, hey, uh, it is it is what it is. So, as far as the Warriors are concerned, Chris Paul is going to miss uh, Game Six. We'll see about uh, Game Seven. It kind of sucks in, in a sense, just because. If Golden State comes back now and Chris Paul's out, does it taint it for you? Are you like, oh, man, Golden State was going to lose? I don't look at it like that, Corey. I've been around so long, man, that, look, Andre Iguodala is a key player for the Warriors. There you go. He's been out. There you go. And 
it's a cold world. Everyone, listen, man, we all have problems. We all deal with things. That's the war of attrition in the playoffs. Guys get hurt. It is what it is. So I don't really feel for Houston and like, oh, it's too bad now. It's, it taints the series. It's like, no, man, whatever, man. Kevin Durant could twist his ankle two minutes into the next game. It is what it is. You got to roll with it. What's your take? No, nah, I agree with you. I think it is what it is. People will say, well, you can't compare Chris Paul to Andre Iguodala. When you look at the Warriors' rotations and how they try to get into their into their sets, and Chris, Andre Iguodala helps them on defense. He gives Steph Curry rest. Matter of fact, you can put him, you can switch him out. So it may not look like a big loss because of the name of the player, but Andre Iguodala, they've definitely missed him these past two games. He's questionable for game number six. I think it's going to be a goodie back in Oracle Arena, and I'm looking forward to a fantastic Game 7 on Memorial Day. Hey, Gabe, earlier today we were talking about it's been some legendary basketball games on Memorial Day, um, and I think we're going to have another one this upcoming on uh, Monday. Yeah, you know what? We'll see because the NBA playoffs have sucked pretty hard. Uh, last night was actually, you know, we finally had a good game. I mean, uh, before that, quarter, the closest uh, game was nine points in yeah. the Eastern and the Western Conference uh, Finals. So we finally get some entertaining basketball. I think both series are going to go uh, to seven games. Um, you know, Andre Iguodala, as you mentioned, he's just, you know, I used to think that Draymond Green was the glue of that team. But Draymond is sort of, he's morphing into sort of a Rodman type. And speaking of people talking smack, you know, Draymond Green's mother's bitching about Kevin Durant playing iso ball and Durant shooting too much. She should worry about her own Shrek-looking uh, son. And, you know, I got big money on on a future here, dude. So I'm not happy with watching Golden State lose, but I actually do enjoy watching Draymond Green stumble around out there. Um, you know, the, the confidence of the Golden State Warriors is a little shaken uh, right now, but them going back home is is going to you know be a huge, huge difference maker. Point spreads up to 12 and a half, right? I saw that. When I saw that this morning, I was shocked because I was trying to guess it. I was figuring it was coming at six and a half, and I saw that. Um, I didn't I didn't get to check it before I left the crib. By the time I got in and did check it, I believe uh, Paul was had, uh, deemed out already, and I saw that 12, and I was like, wow, that's a big number. But I guess without Chris Paul at home, that's what that number should be. Would you think, would you thought, would you thought it was going to be that high? Uh, you know, without Chris Paul, I thought maybe like eight and a half, nine yeah. type thing. Just because they've been underachieving uh, so much. All right, so Steve Merrill's going to step up and in. We got Ian Cameron, Steve Merrill, Joe Lisi. We got your back, no matter what sport you're into. Coming up next, Steve Merrill, NBA, NASCAR. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Game time decisions, red heat and rage. Morency and the fantasy exec this afternoon. 
Shout out to our boy uh, Cam Stewart. Uh, Cam Stewart, of course, uh, chewed off a big chunk of his tongue uh, yesterday. No joke. And uh, he's in the hospital uh, right now. He'll be all right. He'll be all right. It's like a fighter. You know, he'll, he'll be all right in a couple of days. Uh, you know, Cam though, likes to eat. Yeah. So, I don't know. He might, he might be eating through a straw or something like that because of his tongue issue. Not to mention, too, poor bastard's got like a golf ball-sized tumor um, in his belly button. I'm not exaggerating. We're not kidding with that either. It's all purple and stuff. He's going to have to get that cut. It's not like a uh, fatal or anything like that. Um, but uh, they're going to have to cut it, and uh, he doesn't want to do it because he's going to have stitches in his stomach, and uh, he's going to be in pain for about two weeks. So Jesus. Yeah. Cam falling fall apart. apart. Yeah, he's falling yeah, apart. He's, oh let's, bring in, uh, let's bring in uh, someone that's uh, I call Lucky Steve. Steve's a lot luckier. <laughs> Although Steve, I'm sure, has bitten his tongue. And Steve, it's a true story. Cam actually bit down on his tongue yesterday while eating pizza. The pizza was hot. It burnt him his mouth. He sort of and he was eating when he was walking, and he bit down on his tongue. But he actually bit so hard, like a chunk of his tongue was missing. Wouldn't stop bleeding. He's in the hospital now, and that's all deadly serious, Steve. Lucky Steve Merrill, how you doing? <laughs> what the hell is going on up there? That's awful. I know. I mean, it's not like he was. I mean, pizza's pretty thin. It, I mean, why was he taking such a strong bite? Is what I'd have to ask. And that's awful, though. Seriously, I mean, I don't like hearing that. No, I, I don't know. I like. Like I told him, too, I freaked him out. I said, man, I really don't know how they can, like, give you any anesthesia for your tongue. <laughs> you know, like, he's going to lose some taste buds, too, man. That kind of sucks. Yeah, he'll be all right. Oh, he'll be all right in a couple of days. He's going to be missing a little piece of The mouth is the fastest healing part of your body, apparently. I think the eye is also, but the mouth heals extremely fast, so that's the good news, I guess. Man, I had a cyst on my cheek, man. I was going on a heavy metal tour. I had a cyst on my cheek. Um... I went to this clinic type thing. The guy made it worse. He cut my face open with a scalpel. So I had to go to the emergency room like I was gushing blood out of my cheek. I still have it permanently scarred. And uh, so I went. And <laughs> the doctor gives me the warning first. He goes, listen. He goes, I got to tell you. He goes, there's no, there's no anesthetic for your, your cheek or your face. He goes, we can't really do anything. Like he basically goes, we're going to have to, it's going to be, you know, we're going to try to freeze as much as we can, but you're getting stabbed, essentially. <laughs> and, yeah, buddy, like, cut my face open. I never forget him telling me there's nothing. So I use the same long and the light on camera. Like, Cam, there's really, like, there's really not a whole hell of a lot they're going to be able to do. Like, because he's like, man, my tongue. I don't know. He, t- he texted me this morning about stitches or something, but I don't know how they do stitches on a tongue. But let me just remind people, we'll get to into the NBA right now. Let me just remind people about mybookie.ag. If you play DFS and you haven't tried playing mybookie.ag player props, then you're missing out. Their uh, player props tool allows you to avoid sharks winning 90% of the money in the DFS world. Invest in the players that you want without salary caps. Forget about having to create multiple lineups. Ditch the hassle of dealing with late scratches. Check out mybookie.ag. Open up a new account. Use promo code GTD. Get a 50% deposit uh, bonus. Say uh, Bryce Harper will be a chalk in the DFS world and owned in 80% of uh, tournaments because everyone knows the play is obvious. Don't be a loser and eat DFS chalk. Be a winner. Play at mybookie.ag. Go to mybookie.ag. Open up an account. GTD is the uh, the promo code, 50% deposit bonus, and check out their player props tool, mybookie.ag. So, uh, Steve, me and, uh, uh, me and Corey Parson. Uh, Corey is in uh, for um, Cam Stewart. We're just talking about the, the Houston Rockets and the Golden State Warriors. Amazing that the point spread is 12 right now. And 
What wild, wild, wild swing, Steve, with the point spreads and series prices in this series, man. Yeah, and it's a good spot for Golden State as well. But, um, you know, Chris Paul hobbling off the court last night. I knew that was going to hurt some line value. And um, I liked Golden State last night. Hey, look, I was 24-10 and 10 entering last night. Now I'm 24-11. and 11. So it's been a great playoffs overall. Um, I've really had a feel for all these series, when to zig, when to zag, as we talk about all the time. And I thought Golden State would bounce back last night. How crazy is the game? Houston has won three of the past four games straight up. And the one game they lost, they lost by 41 points. That's just how crazy it's been. It really has been. There's been no close games. Last night was the closest game that we've had in Eastern or Western Conference Finals. Yeah, yeah and, and Chris Paul, uh, you know, this line is, what, four points inflated. It would have been maybe seven or eight. It opened ten and a half. It's 12 now. I feel like, you know, you hate giving up that line value. I think Golden State obviously wins the game, but I, I'm not sure that line is. A, it, just, it looked a little inflated even with Paul out right now. Let me ask you this, Steve. I think when you come to a situation, if we get this thing to a game seven on, on Monday, I think I'm looking at Houston on at home with home court advantage. They get game seven. I still think this is a pick, a pick. And what do you think it's going to look like when we see that line on um, for game seven? Well, it depends on Chris Paul plays, Corey. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's pick him if he plays. It's probably plus four if he doesn't based on what this line is. Um, and I think a lot of it, of course, is going to be how Houston looks in this game. If Houston loses by 41 again, of course, they lost by 41 with Chris Paul. So it doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily mean anything. Um, but if they struggle without him, that's worth even more points. If they, you know, if they lose by one point, then yeah, you might be right. It might be a pick They might be like, Hey, you know, it doesn't matter if he's in or out game seven home teams have a huge edge historically in the NBA. They went about over 80% of the time straight up, but that's because they're normally the better team. That's why they're the, you know, the game seven home team, uh, golden state was favored to win this series. And I still feel like the warriors are the better team, especially if Paul's out. Uh, Steve, the uh, zigzag theory has been in effect the home the home court has meant everything in this Boston Celtic Cleveland Cavalier uh, series, but it's no secret that the Cleveland Cavaliers were money burners as home favorites uh, this year. They've been pretty good in the playoffs, uh, yet we have a loftier number right now uh, posted with seven points. I get the feeling that Cleveland is going to extend this to seven games, but I'm not really in a hurry to lay seven points. What's your take on this game here? I agree with you. My power ratings make the line five and a half. So I agree. I think it's a good spot for Cleveland. They win the game, but at minus seven, there's not a lot of value. In fact, there's value with Boston on that number. Very difficult though, to back the Celtics, despite the line value, because they're 10 and 0 straight up at home. They're one and six on the road in the playoffs. And that win came in overtime. So they're zero and six in regulation time on the road. Uh, they lost both games three and four by nine points and more on um, 30 and nine. They lost those two by. So even though the line is inflated, uh, it looks like Cleveland's the only way to play it still. Corey, I'm betting LeBron James over 33 and a half points uh, tonight. The other night he scored 26 points and, you know, he didn't even play in the last couple of minutes and they kind of tapped out. LeBron can sort of fall ass backwards into 40 tonight. I think, uh, Corey, I think uh, LeBron brings his A game uh, tonight. But one thing, Corey, too, I was going to say, you notice, guys, like Kyle Corver's better in Cleveland. Jeff Green's better in Cleveland. Um, you know, Kevin Love plays better in Cleveland. The other guys have to do more, but I think LeBron is one of those. I think it's one of these 45-point nights tonight for LeBron. Yeah, uh, I, I, I agree. I think it can happen. And when you, when I, one thing I like about this, um, like I always tell everybody, listen, role players' games do not travel. They play good at home. When they get on the road, they tend to lead their game back at, at home. With this game being in Cleveland tonight, Steve, I, one of the things I like to look at, I don't know if you're really into it that much, is these um, – 
like we read the, the my bookie thing, some of these player props. And I'm looking at one on J.R. Smith tonight at home. 14 and a half is the number for points, rebounds, and assists for J.R. Smith. What do you think about that? 14 and a half points, rebounds, and assists. J.R. Smith at home, I think he easily takes that down. Yeah, you know, Corey, one of the reasons the zigzag works so well as far as handicapping the games is because not only do teams let down after a big win, but the, the opponents make adjustments when they need to. And I've always felt when you're looking at the player props, especially in the NBA playoffs with these seven-game series, you take that contrarian view, that zigzag approach as well. Um, and it makes a lot of sense. You know, if a guy underachieves for one game, not only is the line normally lowered a little bit because of that, but the teams often overlook him the next game, whereas if somebody goes off, um, I always look to play the under, for example, because, first of all, the line is usually inflated in the next game by the public, and then the coaches, of course, are going to look to shut that guy down. You know, if someone beats you in one game, you're going to look to shut him down the next game. So I, I think Smith is one of those guys to keep an eye on, and I think anybody who was, you know, off the other night in Boston in Game 5 probably performs better at home tonight in Game 6, and vice versa for the Celtics. Anybody had a big game, look to play the under tonight. If you look at uh, J.R. Smith's numbers in the series, in game one on the road, four points. Game two gave him absolutely nothing. He didn't score a single damn point in 27 minutes. He was 0 for 7 from the field. Uh, goes uh, back home, scores 11 points, has five rebounds. And, uh, you know, so that, that's 16 uh, right there. The other home game, nine points, three rebounds, three assists. So you see why they're setting a number at 14 and a half there, Corey. That's what he got to. He's gotten to 15 and he's gotten into 16 combined. Yep at home last game back on the road nothing nothing again one for six you know like so right. the, the pattern is there it speaks for themselves what you were talking about Corey, about role players playing better at home yeah no doubt about it what so also speaks to the fact yeah. boston's been a bad road team you know it helps that the yeah. celtics have been terrible on the road as well yeah i know but this is a closeout game so i imagine you know the celtics in on the road in this series there's always just been one bad quarter you know, they sort of dig yep. themselves a hole, and then, you know, from after that, they're okay. I sort of think it's going to be closer tonight as well. I, I wouldn't argue with anybody wanting to take the seven points tonight, but listen, it's LeBron James. It's in Cleveland. Uh, Boston have won one damn game in the playoffs, as you mentioned, Steve. They're 10-0 at home. They're 1-6 on the road now uh, in the playoffs. And it's not like the NBA doesn't want seven games, right? And it's not yeah, like the NBA. Exactly. Yeah. Who do you think should like get the, the calls yeah. tonight? That'd be a good prop. Look for the foul props if you find them. <laughs> like, it's not like the NBA doesn't want Boston and LeBron going seven, right? Corey playing on national television on Memorial Day weekend on Sunday night. I mean, I don't even know why Boston are showing up tonight. Yeah, no doubt about it. I, uh, a couple of weeks ago, fellas, I thought this out to both of y'all. We had uh, we were sitting here doing the Carton and Friends show, and Michelle, you know, our, our lovely co-host, she just randomly mentions how uh, some years ago this man named Tim Donaghy walked into the bar and, and gave her a phone number. And I'm like, do you still have that what? number? Yeah. And, it, and she was like, yeah, I do. So we was like, well, let's call him. We called, we called him up just about <clears throat> right there on the spot. He answered the phone, and we had a conversation with Tim Donahue, and he was more or less saying when you get these situations, it's almost not, it's almost not as if the, uh, the NBA is setting an edict or telling these referees we won a game seven, but the referees being good company men will sometimes push you towards a game seven. What do you guys feel about that? 100%. Yeah, I mean, we, we – yeah, we joke about it, but yeah, I, I, I think, you know, I, I think the key is the officiating, and when you're at home especially, LeBron's going to get some calls tonight. Let's just put it that way. Last night, Houston were getting all the calls. 
Last night, yeah. James Harden was just walking into the paint. He wasn't even getting touched. You know what I mean? I've touched strippers uh, more uh, with uh, more contact uh, than, than he was getting touched in the paint last night. And 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 I thought, why are they doing this? Golden State, Golden State are are the you know the kingpins of the NBA. Why are they getting screwed over? Well, why? Because the NBA knows. Whatever, we'll go back to Oakland. We'll screw we'll screw, screw Houston over. Yeah. <laughs> and then we'll get seven games. Right? That's what it comes down to. They they need seven games. They have the NBA final set in stone, man. This crap doesn't end until like June eighteenth or something like that. They can't have no basketball for ten days. And it's been an anticlimactic playoffs too. Both the series are going seven games, but the question is how do you bet it? Like even now, guys, if you try to money line parlay the Cleveland Cavaliers on a Houston Rockets on a parlay, it's minus two thirty three. That's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, you look at the last two series; they both went what five games. You know, we had a, all of them were basically very short series. Um, so I don't think it's a surprise that we're seeing these drag out. And the key is the officiating; that's where you can really see a difference. And some of it's not even you know that they're potentially doing it. it's human nature. Um, when the, and that's why home court advantage in the NBA is worth three in the regular season. It's worth at least four, four and a half in the postseason. The crowd definitely dictates a couple extra calls when you have twenty thousand people getting you energized. It's just human nature. We don't see it as much in hockey, Gabe. You know, how, how worthless was home ice in that cap series? You know, and I said that last week as well um, because there's not as many penalty calls in hockey, and it just doesn't really dictate anything. Yeah, you've been to every uh, every Stanley Cup Finals game in Washington Capital history. Is that, is that I, streak going to continue? Determine, i got to determine Steve, if it come continues. On. That is correct. It's only going to cost you. It's only, it's only going to cost you $987 to get in. <laughs> My my Vegas friend said mediocre seats in Vegas are going for over twelve hundred. So it actually would be a bargain to go to the DC game. Yeah, you get um, in for yeah, about eight fifty in DC. No joke. That's the cheapest ticket. I thought it'd be cheaper in DC. I was like, nah, it'll probably be five six hundred bucks. I was shocked. It's like nine hundred fifty bucks for the cheapest ticket to get into DC. I bought nosebleed seats right when the series started against Detroit in nineteen ninety eight, and they were you know face value, but they were like third row to the top. And they lost game two after leading in the third period in overtime in Detroit. So instead of coming back 1-1, it was 0-2. They lost game three. I had to go to game four because I already had the damn tickets. And there were over 5,000 Red Wing fans walking around the arena with brooms. And that that was kind of the beginning of the end for me probably as a Cavs fan, Gabe, especially since they got really bad a couple years later after that. But I did watch game six, and I actually watched all of game seven the other night, and I felt myself getting emotionally drawn back in. It didn't take much, especially game six when it was at They're going to win the cup. They're going to win the cup. They're going to win. I like this Cavs team. They were hitting. They were hitting in game six. That shows how little I watch. I hadn't watched them all season. Yeah, they're no longer a finesse Euro team. Yeah, they're no longer a finesse Euro team. Yeah, Ovechkin's yeah, no, a man Ovechkin's possessed. No he's, he's no Cosby or Gretzky or Lemieux. He hits also, which I like. Yeah, he's um, he's a man possessed uh, right now. Yeah, we'll, we'll hit the Stanley Cup with Ian Cameron Ban a little bit uh, later on as well. All right, Steve, we've got about two minutes uh, left here. NASCAR, uh, I was doing a concert last Saturday with my band Homicide, so I missed the All-Star uh, stuff. Uh, but the remaining in Charlotte, now it's the Coca-Cola 600, but this isn't a plate race, it's a completely different scenario means nothing we don't really take the data from last week but listen we know the data this year is that kevin harvick is dominant uh, on the mile and a half uh, tracks uh martin truex uh, was the kingpin here uh last year on these style of tracks harvick's plus 220 man there's no value right there kyle bush is four to one right now truex jr six larson seven 
uh, you know, Larson, is this the week that Larson gets it done on a mile and a half? He's won on the on the two miles uh, before. Kislowski's 10, Hamlin's 10. What's your take on this, uh, Steve? we got about a minute left here. Well, quick, re- yeah, real quick here. Kevin Harvick is over 12000 on DraftKings. It's the highest price I've seen all season, but it's the most automatic play I've seen all season. He qualified 39th out of 40 cars today. So he is starting second to last, which means he is an automatic pick. He will be in 90% of all the field because he has nowhere to go but up. And he's been second or better in four of the last uh, three of the last five races. He's been third or better, and he won last week. So there we go. I mean, it's hard because it's going to be – if you want to take a contrarian view, I'll do this on one team. Don't take him. Hope he crashes, and you'll beat 90% on the blind. No, that's, that's what it comes down to. From a betting standpoint, hard to take him at plus 220, though. Yeah, and he's starting 39th, which is a little bit of a problem. Not on the longest longest track, yeah, longest yeah. race of the season. Obviously, he That's can make a good that point. up. But, um, it's a, it's yeah, a good that, fantasy that a pick. It's a great fantasy right. pick because you get points for, for laps gained. But you're right. From a betting standpoint, it's a steep climb. Correct. And um, he'll probably run some fastest laps, won't lead many. Martin Truex starting 15th, um, and he was dominant on this track last year. That's a good fantasy spot for him, too. It's going to be a top five. You have like $2 left in your account when he picked those two. <laughs> yeah, I know. I got to redo my line. That's the thing. I got to do these lineups for entertainment purposes. And then there's qualifying. There's Weinstein walking into Perp Walk. NYPD loves that Perp Walk. He's scumbag Weinstein. <laughs> have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone, we promise. No weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. He did not invent the casting couch. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> There's a guy with a jet jersey coming out of the courtroom right now. <laughs> no shit. The guy, 52 jet jersey rolling out of the uh, uh, the courthouse. Yeah, you know what? I got to say, man, I'm not a high-priced uh, attorney, but uh, stating that uh, my client did not invent the casting couch, like, that's like OJ stating, listen, I didn't invent knives. Got <laughs> <laughs> better be a better defense than, hey, listen, I didn't invent the couch. <laughs> I just, I just perfected the casting couch. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was just the, I was just the creepiest at it. Exactly. Like, oh man, that dude was something else. He was, hey, he was bringing Harvey Weinstein was bringing him up to that joint. He was doing, he was having him reading scripts at four thirty in the morning. <laughs> you know. I always say that I was telling Cammy, I said, we don't have to worry about the Me Too movement. We only work with dudes. Yeah, exactly. So we don't have to worry about that too much. I tell you what, though, the Harvey Weinstein, that's a terrible looking man, isn't he? Yeah, like, he really is. Like, yeah. He's a monster, man. Like, mm-hmm. he really is a creepy looking dude, huh? He's a wild looking character. He need to have a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah, and even with that, he had to sort of force Yeah, and yeah exactly. Even with that, he had to promise people, I'll put you in every Lord of the Rings. You know what I'm saying? Like, jeez. So we were just talking about the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, the Vegas Golden Knight hockey team just tweeted out uh, momentarily a couple of minutes ago, actually. Uh, you guys have shown, shown us so much love at practices. There are, only, uh, there are now safety concerns about overcapacity. Wow. So we have to limit fans to a first-come, first-admitted basis. If you, if you can come, it's still free. We just have to say no to admission once we reach capacity. And 
I've been tweeting out pictures and videos of the of Vegas Golden Knights this weekend. They just get it. You know, they just get it. They're, it's the most accessible professional sports team in America right now by far, uh, Corey, mm. in which they have public practices. It's one thing. A lot of teams have public practices during the regular season, you know, one once a week or whatever. And, you know, a couple, a couple of hundred people show up, you know, the diehards. But Vegas do it like every practice, and the players meet the fans after every practice. They've got music crank, and you know they're they're selling drinks, and they've got like cheerleaders and stuff. So like, nice. they've got like hot hot Vegas uh, Golden Knight cheerleaders at practices and taking pictures with people. Like they they just get it. Every day is sort of like a party. They make people want to be around the franchise. Uh, by doing this, and it just makes me think of, like, the arrogance of some of the bigger franchises. Like, you know, the Montreal Canadiens will have, like, one open house a year type of deal. You know, I remember the Toronto Maple Leafs had an open house. They charged people, like, 40 bucks to get in. See that? That right there is not an open house. (laughs) You know, like, like, the New York Knicks aren't having open practices and cheerleaders are taking pictures with fans. You know, that stuff's just not happening. Like, they really just do get it. They're in an entertainment capital of America. They have a lot to compete with, and they understand that, you know, fan outreach is important. But it's good to see they're good guys, good good guys on the team. It's a good, classy organization. And it's amazing in their first freaking year they make it to the championship. It's crazy. No, I, I think it's a real good story. One of the top stories of the sports year 2018 so far is how this team kind of came out of nowhere. Nobody's looking at this expansion team in or Vegas. Or it be one of the biggest stories ever of yeah. any, any year. Yeah. Of any year. Nobody knew how this thing was going to work. And, they were in the, and I don't watch this stuff. And they were in the Stanley Cup Finals. And what you said, I didn't know that they have open house. I would figure that. You stop looking at me like that, young lady. <laughs> I would figure that they would be, you know, an open house. I would think nobody's coming to open house. There's much other stuff to do in Vegas than to go see an NHL team practice. But apparently it's working, so shout out to them for that. You know what? They were crazed for a pro sports team. You know, I lived in Vegas, so I know the market pretty well. And, you know, in the old days, obviously, it was UNLV running Rebels, right? Mm-hmm. And they were, that was, they were proud about it. And Tark, you know, Tark the Shark and... You know, the, the, the running Rebels and Larry Johnson, Greg Anthony and Stacey Ogman and Anderson Hunt and, and everybody. But that, that was a long time ago. And, and, you know, UNLV hasn't been a factor in collegiate sports in a while. Their yes. football team is sort of growing. Their basketball team is underachieved. Um, you know, it's, it's so even UNLV isn't, you know, you figure, well, it's UNLV, they'll always just be strong with, with a fan base, but they're really not now. So they never really had a pro sports team before. They get the team. People don't understand, too, Corey, in Vegas, half the people from Vegas aren't from Vegas. Exactly. There you go. That's that's the issue with Las Vegas right there. That's why I thought it would be a tough sell and a tough draw. Two things I'll touch on right quick about what you just mentioned, Gabe. First of all, that, that UNLV team, that that shark and those great teams, those great running rebel teams. So you were out there at that time. You saw how great it no, was no, out I was, there. Okay, I wasn't, you wasn't, I wasn't out there. there then. No, you know where I was at that time? I was living in Hollywood, actually, in L.A. Okay. So I was living in L.A. at that time. I lived in Vegas in, like, the 2000, 2011 or 2000, yeah, 2011-ish to, like, 2014-ish, yeah. 2012-ish, whatever, 2014. But, no, I happened. I, I was living in Los Angeles at the time during that uh during that UNLV run, which happened to be a pretty damn good time for UCLA basketball. Because remember, right after UNLV then, that's when the O'Bannon brothers, the O'Bannon uh, brothers came, came in. into that joint. But listen, yeah. I was growing up 
bouncing around Harlem in the Bronx. And that team right there, to see that UNLV team, and they had the hip-hop culture and the hip-hop swag. Before the Fab Five, listen, that team yeah, right yeah. there was everything to me, that running Rebel team. I was absolutely in love with that team. And to this day, I despise the Duke Blue Devils for beating that team in, that, in, that, in the Final Four. To this I day. Goosebumps. I get goosebumps now because I'm a diehard Michigan fan, mm-hmm. and I have been my whole life. But like you said, it was hard not to love that UNLV team uh, as well. And they were the first, like you said, they were the first badass, cool college basketball yep. team. And then the Fab Five just took it to a new level. Yeah, no doubt. You the, know Fab what I mean? Five, the Fab Five are yeah, a yeah. cultural icons. Yeah, they're like, you know, like Tupac and Biggie, the yeah. Stones and the Beatles. You know what I mean? Like, no, no doubt. The only, ones, the only ones that can respect each other. Where when someone says those were the, that was the coolest college basketball team of all time, it's like, well, like the, you know, UNLV won, Michigan did it. But I know, and I tell you, Corey, I've interviewed, like, freaking everybody. I've met everybody. I've gotten drunk with Mike Ditka. You know what I mean? Like, yep. you name it. You name it. I've interviewed them. I've met them from Jerry Rice to Mike Ditka to, you know, Steve Young, you know, whatever, man. I can go on and on and on. You know, Thurman Thomas and, like, all my favorites, et cetera, I've interviewed and a lot of them I've actually drank with and stuff. Yeah, cool. But the coolest thing ever, I got I got my the hair standing up right now. When I was living in Vegas, I was doing a daily radio show on uh, the local Fox, uh, Fox Sports Las Vegas radio. Yeah. And um, the coolest day ever, I swear to God, like, uh, I was like, oh, my God, this is so cool. And I told the dude this story. I said, man, I've interviewed everybody. I said, this is the coolest thing I've ever done. It was Larry Johnson. LJ. I seen LJ yeah. about a month ago walking out of the And I was a big Nick fan. Yeah. I was a big Nick fan because, you know, the, before when I was younger, you know, with Bernard King and stuff. But uh, then after, I mean, that team, right? I mean, of all guys, Alan Houston was my guy. but And Chris Childs. I love Chris mm-hmm. Childs, Alan Houston, Latrell, you know, Van Gundy, you know, the whole feuds with everything. And UNLV. I remember he used to do the L after the shot and stuff. Loved it. And, and if you remember... He used to praise Allah after the game. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, LJ, yeah, Larry Johnson. Yeah, no, he was yeah. definitely. He but, would say, all praise Allah. He was all in his it, thing. It, so I said to him, I was sitting with him, and I said, man, if you said praise Allah at MSG now, man, it'd be a freaking riot. <laughs> he, started, he started laughing his ass off, man. He's like, you're all right. He was all drunk in the middle yeah. of the day. And oh, he was I like, love let's, that let's even go. Better. Yeah, he was like, let's go, man. Let's go. Let's go to the casino. And I was thinking, I can't believe this. I'm getting invited to go out and get drunk with Larry Johnson in Las Vegas. How cool is this? But I had to do the rest of the show. Yeah, I know. Hey, no. A lot of people will always say, you know, who was the guy that brought hip-hop or that hip-hop swagger into sport? And a lot of people will automatically say, oh, no doubt about it. It was Allen Iverson. It was not Allen Iverson. It was that Fab Five team. That Fab Five team was Every everything to the culture that Fab Five team, that me against the world attitude, the fact that they were going to places and have the N word chanting at them and stuff like that, and they would still come out with victories. I mean, it's unfortunate that team never got a chance to win a championship, but that was a culture defining team. Those Michigan Wolverine teams, along with those UNLV running Reb teams. Yeah, and it's amazing. It really was the first time that five freshmen actually started mm-hmm. as well, which is absolutely incredible. You're right; they changed they changed the landscape. From, you know, the black shoes. So they wore black shoes. Black socks. Uh, short socks, too. Yeah, uh-huh. right? Like real, yeah, real like ankle socks. And then, of course, the baggy shorts, right? The baggy shorts, the bald head, the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, the bald heads as kids. 
Oh, yeah, but man, that was, that's, you know, my favorite Michigan team, my favorite basketball player is actually Glenn Rice, oh. who was on Michigan before that. One of the mm-hmm. best shooters of all time, that dude. Big baby. And how cool, how cool is Glenn Rice? Oh, that's, that's, that's Glenn famous, Rice, yeah. still, still to this day, still to this day, Glenn Rice holds the NCAA tournament record for most points in the tournament. He scored like 236 points or something like that in the six wow. games. Won the national championship. Won two NBA titles with the L.A. Lakers. And uh, nailed Palin. And, uh, not, <laughs> That's right. Not, not in Lisa Ann's nailing Palin. He nailed the real Sarah he Palin. The, he got after the real Sarah Palin. Yeah. Oh, so, man. He's living. To me, that's a champ. I'm a yeah. college basketball champ. I scored more points than anybody in the history of the March Madness tournament. I won two titles with the Lakers, and I did Sarah Palin. Good job. Wait, 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 what more can you? What, what do you want to top on oh, top and of that? Then, uh, he, he's, he's done. He can bite his tongue off now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I had him on the show. He got into mixed martial arts as well, which mm-hmm. is a mistake. Because I don't think Glenn's as rich as he should be right now type of deal. I don't know if okay. he was great with his money. That's one thing. Remember, his kid was on Georgia Tech, too, and his kid always gets arrested, too, so that's a problem. Yep. Mm-hmm. I, <laughs> no I, one's life's perfect. I remember his son, <laughs> so I, I remember that, and I remember some of those great teams uh, that they had, and he, and he was definitely a standout player when he was at the University of Michigan. But you you must remember all these guys, though, and I loved all those guys. So, like, you know, growing up in New York, like uh, Stephon Marbury. Like, I, do you remember yeah. these guys in high school? Like Kenny Anderson, like all these great New York point guards and New Jersey point guards? Kenny Anderson, uh, he went to a rival school uh, of my school. When I was coming into high school as a freshman, Kenny Anderson had just left, uh, um, I believe it was, I forgot, I think it was Archbishop Tolentine or Malloy, one of those, it was Archbishop Malloy. He just left Malloy to go to Georgia Tech, and everybody coming up after him wanted to be or was projected to be the next Kenny Anderson, the next big yeah, breakout yeah. New York City point guard. I mean, I've seen – let me tell you something. I've seen some high school basketball games that were unbelievable that, – that, that could that was, that would have sold out Madison Square Garden. That, and that was the atmosphere in a lot of the high school basketball games I went to, whether it was uh, – Kenny Anderson or or Shamgard Wells or or, or or Felipe the great Felipe Lopez, all of those players, seeing those guys coming up. People always say to me, I tell people all the time, I love the NFL, and they be like, Well, what else is second? Really, I to this day, I love to watch high school basketball because growing up in that environment and, and being around all those big time games and those big time players. I mean, I've been to high school basketball games with thirty thousand people in the stands. Yeah, exactly. You know what it's like. It's like seeing a band that's big, but you saw them before they were big. No doubt about it. That, that, you know that I mean? nails it. You nailed it with that one yeah. right there. Some great. It's the same. Exactly. You're seeing the real deal. I've seen a lot of kids in high school and stuff, too, uh, and football guys that have gone on. I'm like, man, I seen that guy when he was a quarterback in Houston in high school. Now I'm so old, he's the offensive coordinator for the Utah Utes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the same thing with Sham Godwell. He's a, he's a coach for the Dallas Mavericks now. And I remember when when my when, when his high school played my high school and we was going to jump him outside in the parking lot. You know what I mean? It's, that's yeah, you the, think, that was wild. You, you think like you're successful in life. It happens to me all the time. I'm like, man, I'm doing all right. I got a bunch of shows. And, you know what I mean? Like, I'm, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm living my life. And then I realized like people my same age that I knew and stuff, I'm like, man, like you said, that guy's an assistant coach in the NBA now. That guy's a head coach in the NHL. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, wow, okay. I'm going to do these couple shows, yeah. and let me let, yeah, let me take just, over Cam shift too so I can get a couple extra dollars. <laughs> exactly. We're just trying to get by here <laughs> talking about these uh, these things. 
But yeah, you're right. The New York, and you know, Kenny Smith was one of the first yep. ones too, right? Kenny Smith was bef- bef- well bef- before my yeah. time. I but not, uh, popular Jamal Mashburn also was very big when I was growing up. Jamal Mashburn, who is extremely, extremely successful right now. Jamal Mashburn is like on a Magic Johnson type trajectory right now. Really, I yeah. didn't know that. Uh huh. Good for him. Good for him. You know. One thing I noticed, too, like, um, so the, the New York guys are still great, still a great basketball city and stuff, but it's never really been known for college football no. and, or football. Pro football, yes, you know, et cetera, but Joe Lisi will join us after, but I've noticed, I'll tell you what, man, you look at Penn State and how good Penn State have been over the last couple of years, it's all New York and Jersey kids, man. Look at Saquon Barkley, man. Yep, you Sa- know, guys that use exactly Saquon Barkley, man, he's from the Bronx. A lot of people you don't know, know I mean? that. Before, yeah. before, exactly. Before, there's not exactly. It's not, you don't think of like the Bronx as wow, like you know, best football player running back from the Bronx, but that's where he's from. Before, it'd be a basketball player. You know what I mean? Now it's like there's a lot of football, a lot of good football too at the you know the rich high schools in Jersey. And stuff I was going too, to say Corey, those you know. those those private high schools in New Jersey yeah. they crank out Don Bosco prep. Don Saint, Bosco yeah, prep, uh-huh. yeah. They crank out a lot of the top uh, players, and they like to go to Penn State. That's the place where they go. How about this? I was telling somebody this earlier about Saquon Barkley. That's Iran Barkley, the boxer. That's his nephew. That, really, I didn't yep, know that. That's Iran Barkley's Barkley. nephew. So there you go, right there. I think Barkley's the real deal. It's funny how people. Man, the scumbags in the, in the mainstream media. It, it, it went from this guy's the best running back prospect mm-hmm. since Barry Sanders. You know, various. Sean Sean Payton said he's the best prospect he's ever seen at any position. He basically stated like, he said, "Yeah, we gave him a perfect score." He goes, "Whatever, I don't know what to tell you." He goes, "He's perfect." You know, Adrian comparisons better than Adrian Peterson. Maybe the next Barry Sanders. Oh, it tastes and something. then, and then. Now the Giants take them and all these jackass in the media. Well, they reach because of the position. And you can't take a player in the second hole overall as a running blah, blah, blah. Shut the hell up. Saquon Barkley's going to be a freaking superstar. Everyone in the city is going to be wearing a Saquon Barkley jersey. And this guy's going to kill it in fantasy, too. He's going to kill it in fantasy and reality. Now nah, you right, hey, Gabe, I was walking down Lennox Avenue the other night, and I saw a kid about 12, 13 years old walking with his mom, and he had on a, a New York Giant number 26 jersey to Saquon Barkley. I was like, okay, so you're starting to see the Barkley jersey pop up now. I hate to be a prisoner of the moment, though. Adrian Peterson was a dynamic college running back. Let's not forget about how good Adrian Peterson was. Let's not forget about how good Todd Gurley was for a stretch at the University of Georgia. So I understand Barkley is a you know is more recent and he's top of mind, but Peterson and Gurley, better, you can't look better, past what they did. Better hands. Better hands coming out of the backfield though. Okay. Even I, than those guys. Better mm-hmm. hands. You know what I mean? It's gonna be a godsend for Eli Manning. Little dump offs. Uh, Ian Cameron, a.k.a. Babano, is going to join us next. He's got the blues. I got the blues because I lost last night. We're going to win tonight. Ian Cameron steps up in the next. We'll talk some uh, hockey and some NBA basketball. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. 
Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Game Time Decisions. Game Time Decisions, Red Heat for Rage Radio. Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I am Gabriel Morenzi. Cam Stewart swallowed a piece of his tongue. He's in the hospital. He also uh, consumed too much blood. They were a little freaked out, man. Man, like I asked him, I said, man, your mouth must taste like metal, right? And I said, no, that tastes like poor Cam. Uh, speaking of blood, if you want to, uh, if you want a chance to win two tickets, that's a professional uh, segue right there, Corey. Nice right job. into DKMS from Cam's blood. If you want to donate blood to Cam Stewart or uh, somebody else, uh, you can do so at DKMS. But if you want to uh, go to uh, the World Series, if you want a chance to win two tickets to a 2018 World Series game, go to DailyRoto.com, DKMS. Take a crack at playing free daily fantasy baseball. You can play every day. It's totally free, and the contests are sponsored by DKMS or looking for your help in the fight against blood cancer. Every three minutes, an American is diagnosed with blood cancer, and only 30% of all blood donor patients are able to find a compatible bone donor in their family. So go over to dailyroto.com slash DKMS. Find out how you can help eradicate uh, blood cancer and play free daily fantasy baseball with a shot at winning two tickets to a 2018 World Series game. Let's bring in Ian Cameron uh, right now. You can watch uh, Babano's uh, videos over at the uh, sportsbookreview.com's YouTube page, and uh, you can check out Babano's picks over at sportsmemo.com. Ian Cameron, what's up, Babano? You know, Gabe, I just don't know what we can do with our boy Cam Stewart anymore. Betting problems, financial problems, girlfriend problems, just a litany of issues, and now the guy swallows his tongue. If you want to know why the line sometimes life just isn't fair fits in certain situations, exhibit A is Cameron Stewart right now. He's, he's, had, a, he's had a rough couple of weeks. There's, there's no dispute. He's had a rough couple of weeks, but uh, you know what? He gets the most out of his life. He's an emotional guy, and uh, life is a roller coaster. I'd rather... You know, I always look at that, too. I've always got a lot of drama in my life, but I'd rather have a lot of drama, uh, Corey, and um, and excitement and ups and downs than just boredom, right? Yep. Apathy kills. We're only here We're only here once, man, so we got to get the most out of this. And uh, Babano, we got Corey Parsons stepping up and in. Uh, he's in Studio 34 uh, right now in New York. So let's jump right in, Babano. We'll talk about the NBA. Uh, tonight's basketball game. We've seen it's been a home-dominated series between the Celtics and the Cavaliers. Boston are 1-6 on the road. They're 10-0 at home in the playoffs. Cleveland were big money burners throughout the regular season. They only covered 12 games as a home favorite. In the playoffs, they've been better, and they've been very good uh, at home. But they haven't been covering machines, but they've, they've won these games outright. We were talking earlier with Steve Merrill a couple of minutes ago. There's no freaking doubt the NBA wants this to go seven games. You got LeBron James playing at home tonight. I think Cleveland wins tonight, but I have a problem laying seven points. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if Cleveland wins, like, 105 to 100 or something like that tonight by five. I could totally see it, Gabe and Corey. I mean, I'm looking at a game here where I'm perplexed by it from the very beginning. I have no real strong major urge to bet this game either way. I've got a small little Boston plus seven because I do think Cleveland will probably win, but I think the Celtics, they're going to end up fighting uh, in this game and making a game of it. Uh, LeBron, everyone's talking about how he looked a little gassed, a little fatigued, a little tired at the end of game five. 
Certainly that looked to be the case, but, you know, you're going to see him empty the tank. You know, regardless of how fatigued he is, how many minutes he's played, and he's played a lot here in these playoffs. He's going to empty the tank. He's going to do one of those LeBron, try to carry the team on his back. It's amazing how the role players, for or the supporting cast, I should say, love, you know, and company. And J.R. Smith, you go on down the list, they played good at home at times and just so poorly on the road. So you'd think those guys are probably going to have a chance to step up here. It's a real tough game. I mean, I can't see Cleveland going down at home tonight in a game six with the NBA relishing the chance at a game seven. So I'm going to lean slightly to Boston plus the points just because I think Cleveland will win, but it'll be a close game. Every every game except one. Sorry, Carl, I was just going to say about the total. Every game except one has gone uh, under the number here. We had a really low-scoring game. We see last night, man, this Golden State stuff in Houston. The totals have been off by, like, 40 freaking points, which is something, like, really not normal. Vegas and the offshore odds makers are not usually off by 40 points, guys. <laughs> it's been pretty crazy. The totals, 201 and a half. Ugh, I'm an over better, but ugh, it, it's tough, this total here, too. But even the total's tough. Yeah, the t- total's tough because I've been trying to – bet some overs in this series on more than one occasion and had my head pounded into the wall because of it. So, you know, it's very, very difficult. We're seeing the under money get taken a little bit the last hour or two. I think it's down to 201 and a half the last time I looked at, Gabe. And uh, it's tricky from a totals perspective. I think Cleveland is going to shoot the ball, obviously, a lot better here tonight. You know, backs against the wall. Uh, I'm more prone to take an over in a Cleveland Cavs game at home as opposed to on the road. So, you know, I'm leaning over, but you ask the overbetters how they're faring in these NBA playoffs, guys, and they're not faring too well. I mean, look at the Houston Golden State totals. They've been mispriced from the very beginning, staying under by 30-plus points, and you're starting to get some unders in this series, too. So it's been a tough life trying to back overs here in these conference finals. Hey, what's going on, Ian? Um, I'm not going to have any – I'll be honest with you, I'm not going to watch one second of the NHL finals, but I always like to try to get a little bit of action. And what I like to do is when I look at some of these uh, exact exact series result prices, you got the Capitals for a sweep at plus 1,100, the Golden Knights for a sweep at plus 1,000. The series to go seven going to the Golden Knights is plus 330. The series to go seven to uh, the Caps is plus 450. What do you think this uh, is, is a smart way to get some action on this series? Hold on. Hold on, hold on, Babano. And we also call Ian Cameron Babano, uh, Corey. But just before you answer that, you said you're not going to watch a single second of it. Nah, can't nah, do it. Nah, come on, man. These guys are beating the crap out of each other. What if I tell you there is a brother on the Washington Capitals? <laughs> <laughs> it still doesn't. It's, still not, it's still not going to do nothing. No. It, it could be five. Right, Corey's <laughs> not a hockey guy. Corey's not a hockey guy. We can't, okay, we can't force him to watch. No, no. But look, remember, you know the story. Do you know the story, Corey, of the guy Tony X? Who's that? All right, Tony X on Twitter. No, nah, it's, uh, it's a brother in St. Louis. Okay. okay. And two years ago during the playoffs, in the NHL playoffs, he was flicking around, and on Twitter he went batshit crazy because the hockey game was on instead of the St. Louis Cardinal game. Oh. And he was like, what the hell's this? I don't want to watch this damn hockey. And he was ripping it off. You know, he's like – Freaking hockey. I don't, I don't know nothing about this, man. And he's like, you know, and then about 15 minutes later, there was a big fight, and he tweeted, damn, this is lit. He's like, damn. He's like, damn, this is lit. And, dude, now he's like the Blues' biggest fan. They brought him to games and stuff, and he knows about hockey. He's tweeting about hockey now all the time. And it was all by accident. That's- he stumbled into it because the Cardinal game wasn't on TV, and he was pissed off. But it took about 15 minutes, and he's way in now. So 
I'm telling you, Corey, from an entertainment standpoint, it's more entertaining than the NBA playoffs have been. I'm uh, telling you. That, that, I, I can listen a lot. Everybody that watches it say that. You see, here's the thing. These hockey series, they have a game seven, and the final score is one to nothing. As a, as a fan, I don't know if my heart could take it, so I stay away. <laughs> That's because guys are stepping in front of pucks that are coming 100 miles an hour. These guys take, you know, these guys lose like 10 teeth, man. They, you know, they miss two minutes. This time NBA of year, everybody guy, says oh, that. my groin, my groin, oh, mm-hmm. my groin. All right, sorry. So I can understand. Out. No, I can understand the gripe with a one nothing final score. My bigger sport that I have an issue with the one nothing final scores <laughs> soccer. Okay, soccer's the one you got to drag me to the TV to watch that. You just uh, hate soccer. Hate You're a soccer yeah. hater, Roberto. You're a soccer. You're, you're right. But, but the thing is, the hockey one nothing game. You could have forty shots on goal apiece, and the goalie stay on their head. Plenty of opportunity. The soccer, I, you could pass the ball around for ninety minutes, get maybe one shot on target in ninety minutes. There's a big difference. How do you feel about shootouts in uh, soccer and championships? Don't man? get me going, Gabe. We'll be here for 40 minutes <laughs> if we bring that up. The dopiest thing I've ever seen. Let's decide a World Cup maybe in a couple of months on a penalty kick shootout. I, I'd, I'd close the blinds if I ever saw that, if they put that in my backyard. We know Babato's not too fired up for the World Cup, uh, Corey, because he goes World Cup in a couple of months. It's like next week. It starts in two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Get ready, Babano. At least Babano for you, it'll be on early in the day, so you don't, you know, won't, it won't consume your life, right? Like, well, it's actually worse for me with cricket. Cricket, I even, I can't, That's even a sport I dislike even more. A cricket, well, I can't make heads or tails of that. Cricket, I bet on cricket before. It takes like four days. <laughs> All right. So, what, what about, uh, what, what about the, uh, the exact series? And what, what do you think? Who do you, who do you like in this, Babano? Because we won't talk before it starts on Monday. I'm like, man. Seems stupid to get in front of Las Vegas in this series, but Washington are a team possessed right now. It's very evenly matched. In my opinion, I think it's going seven. We've seen, you know, maybe six. It's going to be a prolonged series, in my opinion, but hard. I just can't bet against Ovechkin right now and this Washington team. Great series, though, but battle. What's your take? What about the exact series price Corey asked about? I'm gonna. I'd go Vegas in seven. I really think it's going to be a seven game, or it's going to be close. You can make a good case for either team. I'm not really interested in fading either one of these teams, especially at the current uh, series price where we've got it right now. Uh, Vegas, there's not much value left. I mean, they're laying a pretty moderate price here in the series. I think Corey, if you're going to look at something, it's probably Vegas in seven. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with an exact series price result. I think Golden Knights are just destined to do it. You could say Washington and Ovechkin are too, after so many failures. That's what makes this a compelling storyline kind of series. The best expansion team, you know, in sports history in their first year, trying to win a championship against. Alex Ovechkin and the Capitals, and can you argue that Ovechkin's the best, longest-tenured player in the NHL right now to never win a cup? I think you can make a decent argument. They've been in the league for 44 years now, the Capitals. Wow. Yep, and still looking. One one of these teams is going to win their first Stanley Cup. Yep. Without winning, Corey, 44. Look at, Corey, look at Washington as a whole. That's what this is cool, too, if you're a sports fan. Listen, Washington, Dan Snyder's a dickhead, right? So no one really, like... Looks at that, but let's be real. The Washington Wizards haven't won since the seventies. The Redskins haven't won since the Hogs days, and like you know, Joe Gibbs. Um, the Washington Nationals. I mean, the city of Washington sports scene. They seem to be similar cursed. to Toronto. It's yeah. sort of like Toronto. You know, a lot of good regular season success. Washington Nationals every year win ninety-seven games, and then oh, yep. Strasburg's hurt. Oh no, Bryce Harper's hurt. You know what I mean? Like, there's always something with these Washington teams. They yeah, already. Oh, Redskins a couple years ago, great regular season, and Kirk Cousins just lays an egg in the one playoff game. So there you go, another example. I, 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 yeah, he, he, 
that wasn't Cousins' fault, Babato. The defense sucked. The defense was bad against Green Bay. Yeah, they were. They were. I I know you're anti Kirk Cousins, though. I know. <laughs> I agree with you. I, I agree with you. Kirk Cousins doesn't play well in big games. I will agree, but I had a lot of money on the game. I had the over. I wanted it. That wasn't his fault. The Redskins couldn't stop uh, Rodgers. Sorry, Corey. <laughs> No, I, I lived out there for ten years, so I, I know the struggles of that of that city as a, as a sports town. But they only, to me, they they listen. It's awful, Casey. They're only behind one team, and that and that's the DC football team. They really could care less about about any about anybody else. Back to the uh, the, the, uh, the NBA, right quick. What do you think um, is going to be the result uh, when you, if we get to see a game seven between um, the Rockets and the Warriors? I think coming into the season. You would say that, you know, if you the Warriors facing elimination this late in the season and having a game seven, that you would like them. But throughout the courses of the season, I felt as if the Western Conference had closed the gap. And now I guess you're really seeing that. But I still think the, the Warriors pull this out and still think that they could very well win the championship. It's just an interesting series now with everything that's going on. With Houston finally being the first team in this series to win two games in a row after that big Game 5 win. Now the CP3 injury, he's out for at least Game 6 and probably questionable at best for Game 7. So this series has taken on a whole different tone. I think Golden State's still alive, but in terms of Game 6 tomorrow night, I know everybody is, everybody's writing off Houston saying they got no chance, they're going to lay down, they just want to get to Game 7, hopefully get Chris Paul back. I'm hoping the public just keeps on pumping up this Golden State number, and I'll take Houston plus as many points as I can get. I've seen this story before in the NBA, star players out. What do the rest of the team do? They pull up the bootstraps. Everybody does a little bit more. And I'm not convinced Golden State has got the basketball well enough, has shot the basketball well enough to lay these kind of points right now. So I'll take Houston. I'll stick my neck out there and take Houston as many points as I can get on Saturday night. You're going to be getting 12. It's a boatload of points. It's a boatload of points you're going to be getting. Golden State just aren't in a rhythm right now. They haven't been. It's amazing to see just how rattled they get. I brought it up, Corey, that to me – we were talking college basketball earlier, Babano, and, you know, Corey, the, the Warriors sort of remind me of Duke. Okay. You know, like a bunch of dudes that shoot threes, not the most physical team. You know, yeah, it's all, you know, it's all, it's raining threes at Cameron and stuff, and they're all cocky, but when it's a close game, like you see every loose ball the Rockets get. You know what I mean? Like Chris Paul sort of trolls Curry in his face, does the shimmy. Curry, like, doesn't get mad. He sort of smiles awkwardly and stuff. They're getting bullied a little bit, and they remind me of Duke in the sense that and these other sort of powerful college basketball teams, they find themselves in a close game, Corey, and the Warriors in the last four years, they really haven't played in that many close games. And if you think about it, a lot of the close games they play in, they, they lose. Yeah, they, they, they've they, lost. They, they've, they've lost. Yeah, the close ones are the Cavs. They lost. Like, Curry couldn't get the shot off late. Like, like, they either blow you out or they lose by a bucket or two. They rarely get blown out. But there's a big pattern of them really choking and tightening up in close games, Corey. There really I, is. I think this is one. It's going to have to be a little bit like game one. I, fellas, listen, I think Draymond Green needs to come out and set the tone for this team right early in the first quarter of game six. If you got to get in hardened face, if you got to get in – oh, no, nobody really want no smoke on that team besides P.J. Tucker and Chris Paul. But if you got to get in somebody face, Draymond Green, as the emotional leader of that team, needs to go in there and set the tone. David West is also a guy that will rough it up a little bit with you, but David West yeah, is yeah. well past his day now. Tray, Draymond Green thinks he's Magic Johnson now, and he's a great player, Draymond. But you're right, he's got to get back just annoying people and being – you know, get the damn rebounds – for the life of me, and even Steve Kerr deserves blame for this last night, Babano. You know, for the life of I was on, I was, I was on, you know, the, during the play, and I stated, Babano, before the play happened, 
I said, don't overcomplicate this. We have 10 seconds left. You guys can't complete a pass. You're not in sync. Nothing complicated. You only needed two. Inbound the ball to Kevin Durant, and Durant, take it to the rack. Get fouled, take it to the rack, and just whatever happens, happens. What do they do? They inbound the ball. They try to hit this bullet fast break pass to Draymond Green when they're out of sync, and what happens? Draymond falls like a drunk dude. Um, you know, like, no, it's unbelievable. Like, they can't they can't execute. Remember before Rabano, they come out of a damn timeout with two minutes left, and they throw the ball away. It's like I'm watching the Toronto Raptors come out of timeouts with these guys now. Well, the most egregious mistake in that whole sequence in the last minute for Golden State last night was the fact that you've got Quinn Cook taking your go-ahead three-point yeah. shot. You know, with 40 seconds to go. That's the one I've got a problem with. How on earth does Durant not take the shot? How does Curry not take the shot? Well, well, Babano, Draymond Green shouldn't have passed the ball. Draymond Green was on a fast break. He could have just taken it to the rack. I think he thought it was Lay Thompson or Curry, personally. All right, we got to get out of here, Babano. Thanks, buddy. All right, guys, over five and a half. I like that in game one of the hockey. Washington 10 and one to the over. Three days of rest or more. Eat Cameron, Apabano on Twitter. See you guys. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone. We promise no weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. Game time decisions. Red Heat and Rage. Fantasy Sports Radio Network, iHeartRadio, a bunch of other things. I am Gabriel Moranzi, Corey Parson, in for uh, Cam Stewart uh, on this uh, long weekend. Big race weekend, actually. Got the Indy uh, 500 um, Formula One from Monaco. That's where the the real upscale uh, ladies are at, uh, Corey. Monaco. That's like James Bond stuff there. Nice. You know, you and I would get, you and I would get picked up uh, quickly, it, by, uh, pretty easily. By, by <laughs> yeah. yeah, hey, you know, I've done this all uh, weekend before. Like, are you obviously clearly, you know, I'm not a NASCAR guy, but when I was living in Orangeburg, South Carolina, one of my good friends, Frank, shout out to my man Frank. Frank stuck that white boy from uh, Connecticut, so he had moved down there. He had a, he had a, you know a little legal beef, so he had moved down there for a little minute, and Frank was like really in the NASCAR. So one Memorial Day weekend. He woke up and was like, yo, we got to go to the Coca-Cola 600. And I'm like, what the hell is the Coca-Cola 600? He was like, you're going to love it. It's this, it's this NASCAR race in Charlotte. I'm like, I, I can't believe this. Everybody else, all the rest of the homies, was going out to Myrtle Beach to the bike weekend. But I was like, you know what? I robbed my man Frank. So we go out to Charlotte, of course, spend a night out in Charlotte. Next morning, we get up, we go to the track, couple tickets, scalp a couple tickets, a buck fifty a pop. So now mind you, this is good old boys. Gabe, I'm talking about good old boys, Confederate, <laughs> Confederate flag. The only black people in the joint was the help. So you had so the whole thing. So we go up there. Now this is now I probably remember this. This is the Coca-Cola 600 when Tony Stewart did the race in Indy and then flew into the infield. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. That was the one that I was at. Jeff, Go- I, th- I believe Jeff Gordon may have won the race. But after the race, it's dark, 11 o'clock at night, getting ready to go back to South Carolina. So me and Frank, we in van, whatever. Mind you, did they, we in the parking lot, Confederate flags, Budweiser's getting cracked, good old boys everywhere listening to Golf Brooks. So we're sitting there. I'm in the passenger seat. Frank is driving. Mind you, Frank thugged out, cornrows in his hair, all of that. <laughs> he nods off, hits the gas, bam, slams into the car in front of him. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And I'm talking about every redneck in that joint. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Looked around. I'm slouched down in the car for them trying not to see me. Frank's like, I'm not going to get out. I got cornrows. This little 90-something-year-old lady gets out the back seat. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. He was like, yo. So the guy comes over. What's going on over here, buddy? You just slammed up into the back. Cause he's like, yo, it's my fault. I'm sorry. Hope, you know, it was. Luckily, it was no damage. And the little old grandma sitting in the back seat was okay. But we would have had a tough time getting out that park a lot that night if that was not the case Damn. and that is my story from the coca-cola 600 the only nascar race i've ever been to you never started a riot <laughs> <laughs> it would have went down it would have went down yeah it, w- <laughs> it wouldn't have ended well I, I, yeah it wouldn't, wouldn't end well i don't think all right listen i wanted i wanted to bitch about uh, something here actually a couple of things this is the little rage a part of the show First off, you know, earlier in the week, I saw, Corey, that uh, the United States gymnastics team, the lady's name is Katy Perry, actually, mm-hmm. <laughs> the other uh, head. So she testified, basically, you know, oh, well, yeah, and but, and you know about the Larry Nasser stuff at yeah. Michigan State, in which, so it's pretty much come to a conclusion. And I remember the Allie Reisman girl and a couple of the other girls basically stated, we told coaches about, we told the U.S. gymnastics that the Larry Nasser guy is a creep. Mm-hmm. And during the medical sessions, he's doing some creepy stuff. And they all ignored them. And now, you know, there's documents that show um, that the U.S. gymnastics team covered this up. And it's amazing. We're talking about like 168 girls or something like that, 121 or whatever. A lot of girls were, were groped, molested, etc. Yet, the story of the week is this stupid national anthem thing with Kaepernick again, who's been out of the league for a year and a half. It's just amazing to me, like, the fake outrage of stuff, Corey, and then something that really should matter. You know, like, forget about this national anthem stupid stuff, and then, you know, the rush collusion on TV every night on the news. The NCAA, they're the ones that should be a special prosecutor looking into. You know, the NCAA, they want to shake kids down because they get $1,000 or something like that. I like to see their freaking books, uh, Corey. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. but no one ever does. They get they get a free pass, and it pissed me off because now it leads me into story here about um, C.J. Harris. So uh, C.J. Harris, the kid's a walk on. All right, he's a walk on. He's a teenager. He's a walk on from uh, Warner Robins, Georgia. Kid is good enough. He's a walk on for the Auburn Tigers. Okay, it's his dream to play. There's pictures of him when he was a kid. Like he loves football. You know, he's poor. He makes the Auburn Tigers as a walk-on, but he's got epilepsy. And he had seizure issues. And he he was in the hospital, and you see the picture. He's hooked up to all these different things. It was like a serious case of epilepsy. They prescribed cannabis oil to him. Medicinal prescribed from the doctors in the hospital in Alabama and in Georgia. Prescribed medication, the NCAA just ruled him ineligible. Hmm. 
A joke. Like this stuff. I want. I want to drive to Indianapolis and punch these guys in the face right now, Corey. You should see the picture of the kid. His mother was all proud that he's going to Auburn and stuff, and they take it away from him. Like, what? Like he he didn't use steroids. It's not a performance enhancer. The kid was in a damn hospital. It's a miracle he's playing football, and you take his dream away. It's not right, man. It's just they. they it's something's got to be done. We can't just bitch about this stuff though, and then say, oh, what are you going to do? That's the NCAA. Something needs to be done. Like, the attorney general needs to raid these guys. They need to be shut the freak down, these clowns. No, this is, listen, to you. I've always said, I've been saying this for years now. Outside of maybe the IOC, the NCAA is by far the most corrupt organization in sports. You take a situation like this. Like you said, this young man, he's from Warner Robins. My guess is he went to Warner Robins High School. They win, like, the Georgia champion, state championship, like, every year or every other year. So this is a dream of his. This is a guy suffering from epilepsy, who more than likely doctors told him as a young man to stay active as a way to combat this. Obviously, as he goes through life, medical marijuana comes out, he gets on the cannabis pen, and now you mean to tell him he did all the hard work, pursued his dreams in spite of his sickness, and you're going to tell him that he can't play, he's ineligible, because he's taking the medication to help his sickness? What are you going to say? Oh, some of the other kids might say, oh, well, I got popped for marijuana. How come I can't play? Yeah, I, yeah. I agree with you 100%, Gabe. This is absolutely foolish. Once again, the NCAA doing dumb NCAA stuff. Yeah, it's garbage. It's absolute garbage. And meanwhile, these scumbags at the NCAA are cheating on their wives, mm-hmm. drinking and driving, racking up the credit cards on the NCAA and on the institution's dime. The college system as a whole is corrupt, Corey. Yep. Not just athletics. The university system as a whole, putting kids in student and student in debt. debt. Yep. Spitting out 200,000 kids for like this 20 jobs every year. And, and you know, professors, look at the jackass at Duke a couple of weeks ago. He went into a local campus coffee shop. He didn't like the song. The girl in the shop turned the song off. Maybe the students liked it. You know, he got them fired. Yeah, wow. You know, I read that guy, story. And you know, yeah, you know what his salary is, that guy? You know what he makes? Like, the, he's the associate president what or whatever. 200000 something dollars? Five million a year. Five million dollars. <laughs> and he's getting somebody working at Tim Hortons fired. <laughs> yeah, like, that's, that's the type of people. Like, it's, they're scumbags. You know, look at college coaches. They're scumbags. They preach loyalty. They go to the other team immediately, right? Mm-hmm. Where's your loyalty, coach? There is none. Jimbo Fisher couldn't even play out the damn season in Florida State. He split before the year was over. Crazy. And then the guy you know, that got like to replace it's... him said that he wouldn't take a Florida State job if it opened up. And as soon as it opened up, he ran to Florida State. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's. But this, this C.J. Harris stuff is, is disgusting. It's despicable. It's despicable. I understand there's rules. I understand you don't want these kids smoking blunts on the sidelines because, yeah. you know, I'll admit the Miami Hurricanes are get out of control with that chain. <laughs> <and be> smoking. <laughs> you know, I get it. I'm not saying let's turn this into a Snoop Dogg video. Yeah. But, but, let's be reasonable here. This is, he, the kid's not even getting high. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, like you said, yeah, what are other kids going to do? Yeah, I want to get spinal surgery too so I can use that oil. Yeah, exactly. okay, kid. Like, it's freaking ridiculous. And even on a bigger scale, it's ridiculous that in today's day and age, we had the HBO guy on earlier in the week talking about concussions. It's ridiculous in this day and age that they pop the, they, they put pills in these players and Percocets and Vicodin and, and Adderall and all this other crap. 
and it it kills them. It hardens their their arteries. It gives them depression issues. It's pure like poison, a real drug. Yet an NFL player can't smoke a bowl to alleviate the pain or drink a cannabis oil or a CBD. It's ridiculous. You see the story that like, came out this week with Brett Favre, ridiculous. right? Brett Favre was taking 17 of these things sometimes a day. Dude, Brett Favre was so hardcore. Did you? Did, did he say, I, I know this is a story about Brett Favre. He was so hardcore, core. he would take the pills and he couldn't get more pills. So he would force induce a vomit and retake the pill. That's wild. Dude. He, he had it bad. He would, he would pluck the pills out of his puke. Yeah, he had it bad, bro. He had it bad. I didn't. I didn't hear that look story. At, look at, look at Richie Incognito right now. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Listen, I'm not. I'm not all. Richie Incognito's a jerk, right? I mean, whatever. He's a big jar. He's a jock type, jerk type guy. But there's no way you can tell me, Corey, that the repeated blows to the head of this guy playing on an offensive line hasn't taken a toll and affected his damn. You know, other steroids, the roid rage, etc. Fine. I'm not making him out to be an angel, but. The Buffalo Bills were resign him, Corey. Yeah. They basically realized, nah, he's kind of getting crazy and he's got issues here. They let him go. Now he's on his own suddenly. So that's what they sort of do. You know what I mean? Like, these players will sort of kill themselves for the team. And I, I get it. I'm not saying they're martyrs. They know what they're signing up for. No doubt. But, but they have to be taken care of a little bit after. Like, there needs to be... Well, well, you know, if you're the Bills right now, like, let me ask you, do you think the Buffalo Bills right now are calling the hospital asking how we incognito is? No, they don't care. They don't care. They're probably saying, thank freaking God, man. And he's not here anymore. We got everything out of him we thank could. Thank God. Yeah. Thank God we got out of this contract a week before he went crazy in that gym. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They don't care, right? Like, that's the whole thing. I mean, Kyle, I'm, a good, I'm good friends with Kyle Turley. I was going to mention Turley. Kyle Turley, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Kyle, Kyle Turley was in the room with the Saints after a game. And and it was like two, three hours after the game. And he couldn't get up. He was sitting in his locker stall. And pretty much everyone was gone and stuff. And he was dressed, sitting there. And he didn't really know where to go. You know what I mean? Like, he didn't know where he was. He really didn't know. And they came up to him and they said, listen, you got to get out of here. We're locking the stadium up. We're locking. You got to go. They sent him home. Like, he got lost, bro. Like, yeah. after. Like, it's, like, they don't, they don't give a shit, bro. No, like, no, you hear some of the, the crazy stories of, uh, you take Troy Aikman after the 1992 NFC Championship game. His agent had to tell him three times what it meant to win the NFC Championship. It was like, okay, we won the NFC Championship. He, and Aikman's like, okay, what does that mean? It means you go to the Super Bowl. What are you talking about? He asked him three times. Look at the great Tony Dorsett, one of my favorite players of all time, on an airplane from Dallas to Ohio. Kept asking stewards, where am I going? What am I doing here and where am I going? Some of these guys are in pretty bad shape. And, yeah, I get it. You know you signed up for it. But I do think, you know, the NFL can figure out ways to make it a little bit safer because these concussions are really taking a toll on these men. Well, I look at it, I look at it like the gun uh, debate right now, Corey. Now we're getting real serious. But I look at it like the gun debate yeah. in that – Every time, like, there's a big shooting and stuff, people say, well, we have to do something. And then, you know, the NRA and, you know, the, the gun amendment people come out and say, has nothing to do with guns. And, oh, you know what I mean? And it, it doesn't really get anywhere. Yeah. But saying, saying that you want to do something doesn't mean you want to take people's guns away. So it's like the same thing. It's like, well, maybe let's not just sell a gun to some dude that's a mental patient. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Let's not sell a gun to, to et cetera. 
But it comes to the same thing with me. It's the denial thing that pissed me off with this stuff. It's like, listen, yes, players got paid as professional athletes, but the contracts weren't guaranteed. And, yeah, they got paid, but it doesn't mean that there still shouldn't be a fund after. The NFL makes so much money. Take $100 million a year, put it aside, put it in a damn fund, and you help people like Richie Incognito after. You don't like you know you don't blow up the house because you got a flood in the basement. Yeah, no you know, doubt. What I'm not saying, man, football. I still want people to get hit in football. I don't like the new like candy ass football. But at the same point in time, let's not pretend. Oh well, no, it's never been proven that getting hit in the head 818 times in a row affects your brain. Yes, it does. We know it does. Yeah. I'm not saying to stop playing, but let's just stop like you know pretending. That these guys aren't messed up by getting hit in the head so much after. I, you you know you you, you nailed it, um, Gabe. I know a player right now plays for the Atlanta Falcons, and he struggles with concussions, and he more or less uh, had, a, had I believe two concussions last season, and asked about sitting out a couple games or you know changing his his style of play. He was like, I come from the gutter. These people gave me $30 million. I will do whatever it takes to get on that football field and make sure I live up to the, to the right that contract, and there's no way I'm going to change my playing style. Ever forget about it. So you've got this embedded into the players, but while they're doing this, you're taking advantage of them. And as soon as he gets that neck concussion and you realize he ain't worth the money, you can cut him, cut ties with him, and then you send him at 29, 30 years old out into the world with what? With what? What he has left over that he's got to live off the rest of his life because he's unhirable because he can't speak when he's 35. Yeah, and people also think, oh, $30 million. Oh, well, who cares? I'll get this. Yeah, $30 million is really $15 million. Yep. You know what I mean? And it's really $14 million. And after this, a couple of kids, this, that, later. And it's been funny because I was with Kyle Turley once, and uh, I said to him, I said, you paying, you know, for the drinks type thing? He started laughing. I said, you're the millionaire, bro. I said, you're the one that made $24 million. And he only looked at me and he said, he goes, Gabe, I'm the poorest millionaire you know, bro. I, I, can, I can imagine there's plenty of people in locker rooms that, that share that same Exactly. Sentiment. And he told me, he goes, I'm divorced. And he basically got into it. He goes, I'm divorced, half, boom, I got a kid with her, boom, I'm married now, I got two kids, boom, I'm not well, bam, paying for medication, medical, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. he went down the list and basically, yeah, he's not. He's not living like Justin Timberlake right now. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> no, it, and, like, it's, yeah. it's crazy. But yeah, you can look how many people have your hands. Out. Look, have their hand out. You know what? You you, you have the hand Maurice, out. You're 20 something years Marquise old. Remember Marquise Grissom? Yeah. Remember Marquise Grissom mm-hmm. told me that. I used to cover the Expos, and Marquise Grissom, he said, "More money, more problems." There you and go. And I said, "I wish I had your type of problems, Marquise." <laughs> uh, and he said, "He goes, yeah, and." Uh, he goes, uh, man, it's to the point now where I have to have, like, a court system. Once a year, he goes home in Georgia, and basically everyone in his family comes up and needs 10K for this. They want to open that. They need it for this. And he said, I wonder when I'm uh, 50 if they're going to be helping me. Nope, they <laughs> certainly will not. No, they won't. You know? All right, Red Eat and Rage Radio uh, continues. Joe Lisi joins us next, College Football. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone. We promise no weird viruses, no strange tracking things. 
just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. Game time decisions, red heat and rage. Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I am Gabriel Moranzi. Cam Stewart's in recovery. I'm going to text him, actually, after this break, see how he's doing. Uh, Corey Parson in for Cam Stewart because he needs the money. Joe Lisi. <laughs> you right. Joe Lisi uh, joins us. Joe, Joe finally takes time out of his very busy schedule. Thanks, uh, thanks, Joe. And I'm just busting your balls, Joe. And, you know, the other night I asked Joe to, I, I asked Joe to come on, Corey, my show the other night. He's like, oh, I'm sorry, Gabe. I can't come on. My uh, my high school, my uh, my daughter's graduating high school. Oh, yeah. big and, time. Uh, I re- I responded back. I said, what a terrible excuse. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations, Joe. How you doing, buddy? I'm hanging in there, Gabe. I'm in the great state of Florida in the pouring rain here in Port Ritchie, but uh, I'm hanging in there and getting ready for college football season. Yeah, and it's rapidly approaching. So one thing I keep seeing on Twitter. Is there's a debate out there, or at least, you know, I saw our boy Drew Martin today actually tweeted out, I think he said 90, 93 days or 92 days to uh, to college football. And there's been that 100-day countdown that started a week ago, but it's actually 86. Nobody's counting that that week one, Joe. They're calling it week zero, literally. So they're, like, they're yeah. starting the season week zero on August 25th, so... There's two countdowns. It's really it's really 86 days away now, not 92. <laughs> yeah, that's a great point. I mean, they did it last year, too. I mean, a couple of teams that played early on was BYU, played Portland State. We saw, I think, San Jose State play USF last year. And this year we have some pretty intriguing uh, week one, the real week one matchups. But that August 25th slate, we have a, a solid matchup in Hawaii and Colorado State. Uh, I'm, I'm chomping at the bit for, for the real week one, but I'll take football as soon as it gets here. No doubt about it. I agree with you on that one. Lisey, what's going on with you, my man? How's everything? Uh, Corey, love the show. Love talking college football with you two. This is the dynamic duo here. I mean, this is uh, this is red heat rage and uh, a little bit of New York City here. This is great. I love it. Try to get something yeah. done. Hey, let me ask you this: Do you think um, these college coaches with this uh, new legalization of uh, gambling in the United States, where at least the states have the option to see what they're going to do with it, do you think the NCAA is going to put or try to at least put some kind of pressure on these college coaches to be more forthright with the injuries? I can't imagine that. I mean, at this point, I can imagine the NCAA getting involved in this situation in any way, shape, or form because of their stance over the last few years in terms of gambling. I mean, uh, collegiate gambling has been going on for years now in the great state of Nevada, and now it's just going to really bring more eyes to the college game. So if the NCAA steps in and takes a stance either way, Corey, uh, it would be, I I think, not in their best interest because they're one of the reasons why the sport is the way it is in terms of many levels, especially from the the negative side. So uh, I can't imagine them taking a stance, but I think it's going to bring more fans to the great uh, game of college football, especially Especially in the tri-state area, and I'm all game for legalization for sports gambling. Mm-hmm. All right, Joe. So uh, the point spreads are starting to pop up right now with most of the sports uh, books, and including in Las Vegas, 
lot of line movement already out of the gate. It's amazing. Notre Dame opened up as six and a half, seven point favorites against Michigan. Michigan are now sitting at one. So let's go rapid fire through the big games of let's call it uh, week one because they're not counting. You know, forget about that August uh, 25th weekend. The real big boys step up the following week. So let me throw these games. Just give you a quick, uh, quick takes uh, on these. Miami, Florida are minus three versus LSU on a neutral field. And what's the deal? What's the LSU uh, quarterback situation? Is Joe Burrow going to be the quarterback? Um, you know, transfer from Ohio State. Miami minus three at LSU. What's your quick take on that game? Yeah, I still think it'll be Miles Brennan. I mean, Joe Burrow coming over, not understanding the scheme. But I'll take the physicality of LSU on the offensive defensive lines. I think their physicality is the difference. And when you look at Miami last year against road teams, they didn't step up against the better teams on their schedule game. So give me the plus three with LSU early on in that Arlington-Texas matchup. Alabama's like 27 to Louisville. And I know you're high on the cards, even though they lost Lamar Jackson. I know I know they've they started a lot of youngsters on the defensive side of the football the last couple of years. They got a nasty defense. Alabama, two new coordinators, Nick Saban's, you know. Nick Saban doesn't care about covering numbers against non-conference opponents. He likes to run up the score on Tennessee, but he doesn't care about running the score up on a Louisville. It's a lot of freaking points, twenty seven right there. Yeah, give me the 27 with Louisville. I go back to that matchup a few years ago against West Virginia where Alabama lead 26 and a half, 27 to Clint Trickett and Kevin White. They've won 16 straight uh, week one matchups by 24.8 points per game. But West Virginia's offense gave uh, Alabama's defense some problems in that matchup. Louisville has a veteran wide receiver core. Give me the 27, and more importantly, I'll sprinkle a little on the money line if a book is going to give me that. I'll take that plus 1,200 in that battle. I'll sprinkle a little on Louisville with Bobby Petrino, six months of preparation. I just saw a tweet uh, right now from a guy who said, uh, I've been covering Florida State Seminole football for 42 years. Never has there been much this much excitement and buzz around the program and what Taggart's bringing to the table here. They're laying five and a half in week one against uh, Virginia Tech. Yeah, that's great. Willie Taggart will be the right coach to turn around the program and take it to the next level that Jimbo Fisher couldn't do after winning a national championship. But let's look at the facts. Florida State lost five of six games last year in the conference, in the ACC, and they lost those games, Gabe, by 12.4 points per game. That was with uh, guys like Derwin James and Sweat uh, at the defensive end position. That defense is going to be lacking. They're going up against a Vatek defense last year that held five opponents under 100 yards per game. They won 5-0 and in those ball games. They won those games by 30.6 points per game. Breakout star and sophomore quarterback Josh Jackson. Justin Fuente, a better head coach at this point in his career. I'm sorry, than Willie Taggart. Give me Vatek plus the five and a half, six, week number one in the conference matchup. I like that. I like that, Joe, because everybody said that Florida State team last year was really, oh, that it was lacking Francois. And I'm like, they just look bad, period. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. James Blackman is a legitimate quarterback. He threw for the most passing yards by a Florida State freshman quarterback. They have Cam Akers, a 1,000-yard rusher, dynamic, dynamic playmakers. But offensive line was a concern for Florida State last year, and their physicality on the defensive side of the ball – 
uh, was lacking, in my opinion, and that was with those playmakers. So it's a week one matchup, a lot of pressure on Willie Taggart in this group. And not only that, Florida State has the hardest ACC schedule. Their opponents have a combined winning percentage of 631%. This is not an easy game. I'm picking Virginia Tech to win the game outright. You're right, Corey. Florida State is, well, Florida State really underachieved the last couple of years. You know, two years ago, they were freaking stacked, and they had a ton of injuries, and it sort of carried over into last year, and then the Jimbo Fisher Circus. Uh, Joe, one of the games I'm most looking forward to in week uh, week one there is Auburn and Washington. Auburn's a dangerous football team this year. You know, there was a preliminary number of minus one out there, and I was going to jump all over Auburn. Now it's up to three and a half. Listen, I know Washington are a good team, but with all due respect, I just, you know, the game's in Atlanta. I might as well be in Alabama. I don't see Washington going into CC country and beating the Auburn Tigers in week one. Yeah, well, I do, Gabe. I mean, since 2014, Auburn is 11-13 on the road or on a neutral field site, which is a 458 winning percentage. There are four losses last year to Clemson, LSU, Georgia and UCF all came on the road or on a neutral field site. This is their third straight game now in the Mercedes Dome. They lost the previous two to Georgia and UCF. And they have, in my opinion, Washington has the better quarterback in Jake Browning. Give me Washington. I think they strike the upset over Auburn. Chris Peterson with six months of preparation, a better head coach than Gus Malzahn. I like the Huskies in that ballgame. West Virginia. A lot, a lot of hype about the Mountaineers uh, this year, Joe, coming into the year. And Tennessee, I see that Pruitt is already uh, lowering expectations. <laughs> like, I guess it, <laughs> th- 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 things aren't going well in Tennessee, even leading up uh, here. I think the team was a little bit more beat up than, than he realized coming in here. West Virginia, though, is this finally the year? Is, is this going to be West Virginia's year? West Virginia minus nine against Tennessee. Yeah, well, I, I picked them at 10-2. and two. They could possibly be the sleeper of the conference because of Will Greer and David Sills, but I think they match up very well against Tennessee. Tennessee only in the SEC, the worst rushing defense within the conference, 251 rushing yards allowed per game. And when you look at some of the offenses that they played similar to West Virginia, they struggled from a personnel perspective. Look at that Missouri game. They gave up a ton of yards to Drew Locke, and this is an offense last year, uh, Gabe. They could have only converted 30% on third downs from an offensive perspective and a lot of opposing offenses, 45% on third down conversions. I think Will Greer and the crew dominate this matchup. This is one of my stronger plays for week number one. All right. but So let me ask you, is, is, it gonna be, is things going to get any better in College Park this year? Texas comes in week one, a nine-point favorite, uh, nine-point road favorite coming into College Park, and I'm just like, I mean, I don't root for Maryland, but, you know, I've known people that go there, live not too far from the campus. This, they, 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 it's nothing here. Yeah, not, it's true. But the Maryland did get the 10-point victory over Tom Herman and the crew last year in Austin. They were uh, close to an 18-and-a-half, 19-point dog in that ballgame, Corey, and they struck the upset. Huge revenge spot for Texas. I think Texas is one of, one of the teams that I'm looking at to possibly make the college football playoff. Wow. Maryland has a new offensive coordinator in Matt Canada, but they lack the personnel offensively and defensively. I like Texas early on laying the points in that ballgame. I agree with Joe, uh, Corey. Watch out, Corey. I'm telling you this year as a betting man, keep her on the Texas Longhorns. And remember last year, Tom Herman's kept saying, I don't have, you know, we don't have that signature win yet. We don't have a signature win yet. The signature win for the Texas Longhorns is going to come in week two. 
the USC Trojans go to Austin. All right. That's that's the turning point for this Texas Longhorn football team. I think they're going to fall short of the playoffs, but I think they're going to have a great year this year. And I think that's that's the turning point in that week two game. Michigan and Notre Dame, Joe, big line movement in this game. Shea Patterson has been ruled eligible. Uh, for those of you that are wondering, and you say, well, Harbaugh hasn't had a quarterback, and Harbaugh, Harbaugh this, Harbaugh that, he hasn't done this and that. Well, Harbaugh now has a quarterback, guys. And Harbaugh also has a ton of talent at the other positions. I think Michigan could be a sleeper this year as well. They're not really sleeper to the books. They're 12-1 to 1 to win the national championship. But, my, you know, the one problem with Michigan is that killer schedule, Joe. They got a real tough schedule, the Michigan Wolverines do. And they open up the season at Notre Dame. They're not one-point favorites. Well, who do you like in that game right now? Yeah, I like, I'm high on Michigan, Gabe. You must have read the preview, and they do have the hardest Big Ten schedule. That being said, I, I think their defense will be set with Don Brown. But let's look at Notre Dame. Let's just look at the losses. Brandon Wimbush completed less than 50% of his passes last year. Notre Dame rushed for 269 yards per game. But that was with Mike McGlinchey, Quentin Nelson, and Josh Adams that are all now in the NFL. Their leading wide receiver, Equimonious St. Brown, is now gone as well. That's going to put a lot of pressure on Brandon Winbush. If Shea Patterson starts fast, I think Michigan's defense dominates and forces third down and long situations. I love Michigan in this ballgame, and I like Michigan to dominate the Big Ten this year. All right. Hey, Joe, what do you think of this? Uh, another, uh, another should be a pretty goody week one, Texas Tech and Mississippi State, uh, the game down game out there in Lubbock. Yeah, for me, I'm not sold on Texas Tech overall, even though Cliff Kingsbury did a solid job last year getting them back to a bowl. Early on, I would take Matt Luke and Ole Miss. I think they just have the better playmakers at the skill positions. You're, you're talking about Nick Shimanek that's moved on. I like Ole Miss early on in that ballgame. Hey, Joe, that's the St. Brown boys. There's, it's two more of them. They're kind of like the Ball family. Well, the father's not as brash, but it's, it's two more of those St. Brown boys, uh, right? Is one of them going to be Notre Dame yeah. this year? One is going to Stanford, guys. One oh. is going to Stanford, so keeping an eye out for him. Yeah, one's going to Stanford. The other one, I'm not sure where the other one is going, but I think he might be in Notre Dame as well. But, yes, okay. one is definitely on Stanford's roster, so keep an eye out for him. But they, you're absolutely right. It's definitely like LeVar Ball and the boys. Uh, he's definitely groomed them to play football. If you watch a documentary on him, I mean, he's a bodybuilder, and, and he really is into nutrition. They're workout fiends, and eat, uh, I think, steak three or four times a week. So he's gearing them up for the, for the professional ranks, and I can't, I can't argue with that. I mean, he's done a great job with St. Brown moving on to the NFL. So we'll see how it plays out. Joe Lisi with us on Red Heat and Rage Radio, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I'm Gabriel Morency alongside Corey Parson, kicking it in Studio 34. I'm in Studio uh, 35. Uh, <laughs> studio, studio 35. Um, so uh, one last game before we get to the Saturday, August 25th stuff. And remember last year I was at the IFBC, a big football conference, and a bunch of gamblers, and I spoke uh, in Costa Rica. This year it's in Las Vegas, and I hope to see you there, Joe, uh, this year. Last year I told people that Florida Atlantic over four and a half wins was free money. They went on to win double-digit football games. Uh, year two now for Lane Kiffin here at uh, up there in Boca Raton. And FAU open up in Norman. They're getting 21 points. Can they hang around in this game, Joe? The way I look at it is Lane Kiffin goes in there, and if he's hanging, they're going to go for it. But 
if if Oklahoma start kicking the crap out of him, he's going to pull everybody because he's got a full season to think about. So it's kind of risky if you bet on FAU in this game, in my opinion. And what about Oklahoma this year? I don't really think they're going to miss a beat, are there, with Murray at quarterback? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, let's start with FAU. FAU in that bat- ball game, uh, Gabe, they can hang around. I mean, you're talking about an offense in every in, tw- in 13 of their 14, excuse me, I think 12 of their 14 games, they rush for over 300 yards in every ball game. So as long as they're able to run the football, they'll be in this ball game. They need to shorten the game. They can't get into a shootout with Kyler Murray and that Oklahoma offense. That being said, I mean, when you look at Oklahoma and Baker Mayfield from a completion percentage, I mean, you're talking about a quarterback that completed over 70% of his passes for almost three straight years. Kyler Murray's an inconsistent quarterback, even though he completed 85% of his passes. He's more of a dual threat. And when you look at Oklahoma this year, that's going to be the transition. I mean, more read options for Kyler Murray. And I look at this offense now with Lincoln Riley, there could be some growing pains in, in terms of feeling that out. So I'm not so high on Oklahoma as a lot of people are. I know they have Rodney Anderson, but they have one of the toughest Big 12 schedules. It's not going to be easy. From that type of uh, betting standpoint, I would take Oklahoma just because I think from a per- personnel perspective, they have the better recruits. It is Lane Kiffin, better head coach, but we'll see how it plays out week one. I would lay the points with Oklahoma in that ballgame. I'm fired up for some college uh, football. Uh, Joel Lisi, his uh, college football preview is available over at Amazon. Check him out. Go for the go for the two on uh, Twitter. Joe, it's always a pleasure, my man. I oh, love the show, guys. Anytime. Love talking college football with you guys. DFS next.